Nerd Alert! Property Nerds, <laughs> the home for data-driven property investors, where we uncover Australia's hot and cold markets, latest headlines and trends. Hello everyone, this is Arjun here, your host or co-host of the Property Nerds podcast here with Kent. Hi Arjun. Hey Kent, we've got an exciting episode today and before I get into it, I guess I just want to give everyone a bit of a recap on, you know, just who we are at the Property Nerds and what we're doing here. Um, we're here to really make the data come to life, talk through the data of real estate, what's happening out there. If you see numbers and you're like, hold on a minute, I need to make sense of this. That's where we want to come in and make sense of what's truly happening in the data across the country. And I also run a buyer's agency by the name of Investikit, where we get to really bring the data with the on the ground world. And I'll hand it over to Kent to let you guys know a bit more about what he does. Yeah, I um, obviously the property nerds is a big part of my life now, but another part of my life is something called Suburb Trends and very much focused on creating content for the real estate sector. So that's my big focus. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of content here to talk about today. And, you know, we've been hearing about markets all over the country and the common theme that we keep hearing about, everything's hot. And so... Yes, in a way, there's a lot of hot markets now as a result of low interest rates and low stock and higher confidence. But at the same time, just to loop everything up and it's too hot, can't buy anything anymore and it's over, I'm going to keep missing out or I've got to throw crazy prices everywhere. That's not the case. And so Kent and I decided to take a moment to go, hold on a minute, investors are asking us questions about, I get that the Brisbane's, the Adelaide's, the Sydney's, the Melbourne's and the connected cities are pretty hot. But what's happening? Where are there opportunities where maybe it's heating up, things are changing, but it's not completely every listing price is, you know, well under and you're completely missing out every first open home and that sort of activity is not there yet. In some cases it may be, in some cases it's not, but we call these early adapters. So Kent, what's your thoughts on early adapter markets? Yeah, it's an interesting term. I think that there's a number of suburbs, there's a number of regions that are also benefiting from what we call in the inner city, the ripple effect. So, you know, we've always referred to it as, you know, the adjacent to the hot suburb, but you've got regions now are also going through that same ripple effect. When we do our heat maps, and those same heat maps are available on the site, on the website, the property nerds, but we look at New South Wales, we look at Victoria specifically, and it's a sea of hot regions. So when we pick out some of these regions that we'll talk to today, some of them are already, I'd say, in that hot bucket, but we wanted to try and spread things out a little bit. However, there are a number of these regions outside of Victoria, outside of New South Wales, that would be considered warming up. They may not be hot right now, but they are warming up. So that's the theme of today's podcast is to focus on some of these locations that 12 months ago may have been out of balance, may have been considered a buyer's market, but they're shifting, they're changing. And is that the result of exodus of the capital cities? I say mainly yes. Uh, could it be part of a natural cycle? I know a number of companies like to refer to a property clock or a property cycle. I don't say I subscribe to that too much. I don't think that's any neat cycle, seven or 10 year cycle anymore. I think that's gone. However, some of these regions are going through a renaissance. So we'll talk to that today. And so I guess that's, you know, that's a really good way to explain the early adopters or that type of cycle or 
early parts of the market movements. I mean, my definition of the early adopter markets have always been, A, they are showing causal factors, and I like to refer to them as your bullet points under the categories of demand, confidence, and supply, you know, job-creating projects, lifestyle, appeal, affordability, things that are making people gravitate to it, but perhaps they are not showing up completely in the heat of the moment right now, the heat of the trends that we like to see it. And so they're the ones that I like to say move from watch list markets, things where, hey, something could happen here, to they are trending. Do you think that's a fair way of describing early adopters? It is. And probably the question I've got is for our guests, what are the metrics? What are you looking at, Arjun? What's the thing that puts them on this list today? Great. So let's talk through some of those metrics and, and just how we get to this list. But firstly, the list that we've put together are using SA3 regions. And Kent, do you want to, maybe I throw back to you on how to best describe SA3 regions? Yeah, so for a lot of regions, an SA3 is very similar in size to a local government area. However, we've favoured the statistical area three, which is from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. We favour that because specifically because of places like Brisbane. So the Brisbane LGA is huge. It's one big city. It's too big and there's too many sub-markets across Brisbane to call it one single metric. So the the Goldilocks for us is this thing called a statistical area three. I'll call it an SA3 from now on. It's too hard to say. But it's a really great metric because you've got lots of different data sets that are provided by the ABS and the government that plug perfectly into it. But equally, when you look at property sales or property rents and other metrics, most of these SA3s look like a bell-shaped curve. They look approximately normal, which is what we want when we're comparing medians or comparing other metrics through time. So that's why we do the SA3 thing. Exactly. And for those wondering, you know, how do we have the pros and cons broken down of this? The cons are when we go into suburbs, the shift of prices and the low sample sizes can make data wacky. And for those living in premium areas or have properties in premium areas, a perfect example of that that we've touched on in previous episodes. And then like Kent pointed out on the massive regions, it just becomes meaningless for me to go Brisbane's doing well or Adelaide's doing well. Look, where? Where are you going to buy? And so that's the part of what Kent's really broken down there, the SA3. Now, key data points we used. Inventory levels, vacancy rates, days on market changes, and price. And so in simple connecting them with the sentence, we're saying, what's the stock levels relative to what sells? What are the vacancy rates in terms of rental properties available or in how long are they staying available for? Days on market, the speed of selling and price. And so effectively, if we're saying that trends are shaping here, the early adapters, something's moving, but we're not categorizing them as too hot. We're simply saying there's a change in the relative properties available for sale in comparison to what sells each month. The number of vacant properties for rent is reducing. The speed to sell a property is increasing. It's getting faster and pressures on price are taking place, but in their earliest points of the cycles. Would that be a good way to categorize it? It would, but you're teasing us. Tell us some of the regions. Come on. <laughs> well, let's go into the data dive. So we've got 12 regions here. And with the 12 regions, we've spread ourselves across most of the states. And if you're wondering, hey, Arjun, why aren't you mentioning a certain number of, you know, 
regions in this particular state? The short answer is take New South Wales and Victoria, where we've got a very low number of options, and even Tasmania, where we've got no options. The reason why is because even the regions that we felt could fall into the early adapter markets are not. They're just too hot. And so they are heating, they're well into you know, motion and not too hot to buy because these could be hot and staying hot for some time, but they're more so not meeting our categories of early adapters. So if we jump straight into it of the early adopters in Queensland, we've got four regions here to talk through. So we've got Townsville, Toowoomba, Rockhampton and Bundaberg. What are your thoughts on these? Well, it's I think it's quite fascinating what's happening in some of these areas, and they keep on popping up. So there's a reason why they keep popping up on the maps. But the inventory levels at the moment for a couple of these spots, I'll pick on Toowoomba at the moment. I'd probably say it's already in that seller's market territory at around 3.9 months of inventory. We're talking about houses here. So that's come down from about 6.4 months a year ago. So you can just see a significant shift in the heat in Toowoomba. Beautiful spot too. You went there recently. So we can see that there's some heat in that market. But I might focus on some of these other ones. I'll pick on Townsville, I think, is a goodie. 4.89. So it's just moving into that territory now. So, you know, once we get below that five-month mark, we start to say, hey, hang on, this might start becoming a, a bit of a seller's market. And we can see that it's made a massive shift because it was 7.53 months of inventory a year ago. That's huge. It is big. And also just to talk through, for those who are listening or tuning in for the first time, what do we mean by inventory in the number of months? Effectively, what Kent's pulled out there at 4.89 months of inventory in Townsville and what it was in the high sevens. This is saying that 12 months ago, if we were in the high sevens of inventory, if you had no more properties come online, we had a moratorium on properties for sale. Based on how many are selling each month, it would take just over seven months to clear all the stock, which is not a short amount of time. And we would classify this as potentially an oversupply market. And it's amazing to see the change that within one year, we've had a drop in inventory of over 30% which puts it now in what we would call a modest pressure, but just slightly better than a balanced market. So this is what we're trying to call out here, the inventory change of Townsville from an oversupply to a balanced heading towards modest and trends changing that fast in a year tend to suggest that the early adopter may soon become a hotspot. And breaking it down, giving you an example suburb, I think let's pick out a suburb called Kelso. So those who are in Queensland would know it quite well, but it's it's one of the most populous and populated suburbs in Townsville. And you can buy a house there. The, the list price median is $269,000. So it's a, a fairly low price if you compare that to the capital city type market. So $269,000, which usually goes hand in hand with fairly high yields if the rental market's healthy. And the rental market is very healthy because... These four Queensland locations, another metric that we like to see with the early adopter markets, the change, the trend occurring, is vacancy rates. And just to call out some of the vacancy rates, all four of the markets of Townsville, Toowoomba, Rockhampton, and Bundaberg, if I read out their vacancy rates, it's quite phenomenal. 0.96% for Townsville, 0.68% for Toowoomba, 0.38% for Rockhampton, and 0.44%. It's, long story short, a bit of a rental crisis. Here. It is a crisis. This is a big problem. 
I think. You know, we, yes, we've got one side of it. We're talking about the hot market, great for investors, but there is a flip side to this now. And once you get below 1%, I think you've got a rental crisis on your hands. And in these regions, people are being squeezed. So there's some low-income families that are hurting badly. And we aren't talking a change of, oh, this is over a few years slowly getting there. All of them have had an upwards of 60% change in their rental vacancy rate in the last 12 months. So Townsville, 62%. Toowoomba, 70%. Rockhampton, 74% decline. And Bundaberg, 71%. So big changes in all of these markets. And I think when we talk about the inventory change in Townsville before we move to the next region, Kent, the days on market is another great reflection. We're starting to see, not huge movements, but starting to see some shifts there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's still a little bit high. I'd probably, you know, looking at Kelso here specifically, it's around 82 days, but there's a bit of a lag in this data too, because if you're using a rolling, when you get down to the suburb level, you need to specifically use a rolling 12-month median. So there's always a little bit of a lag, but the lead indicator here is you're looking for that delta. You're looking for that shift. Is that rolling 12-month median making a move? And it is. It's making a move down. And one thing you and I have loved to do on the back end is sometimes we've done charts where we roll up the 12-month moving average and we overlay it with a 90-day moving average. Now, it sucks for a suburb, but it works quite well at an SA3. That's true. And so what we refer to in our world in the data space, we call these line breakers. And the line breakers is when, you know, we start to see the 90-day trends really expand upon from a 12-month, and they really give us some directional shifts. And all of these regions are showing some 90-day shifts that suggest they are getting hotter quickly. So if we jump into the next one, I know we touched on Toowoomba, but let's go to Rockhampton. Rocky. Well, I've got it down here. I've got Rockingham. I've got Rockhampton here in front of me. I'll let you talk to it. Yeah, yeah. Rockhampton here is an interesting one. So the same sort of thing from Townsville. Inventory levels 12 months ago for Rockhampton were sitting at an oversupply of 8.48 months. Now they've seen a 42% shift down to 4.94 months. Now the markets within Rockhampton also hold a very tight vacancy rate of 0.38, a 74% decline from 1.8. Four six percent. Now I know I'm I'm going straight into the numbers here, but another big shift, although still at a high base, days on market dropping from 82 down to 65 is a big 21% change. So Queensland's you know coastal side or towns here are, are definitely showing a shift, and could this partly be a result of you know the migration, the exodus? Yes, but at the same time, each of their local economies are showing a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of a hum. And just to touch on what we were talking about with some of the other places like Townsville and Toowoomba and now Rockhampton, I want to call something out that regional cities in particular get a lot of hate on. And it's something very important to call out. The jobs, the infrastructure, the money, where's that going to come from, Arjun? Where is this constant growth going to come from? We need to remove the labels. And I'm a big believer from someone that's come from Little old Wellington in New Zealand. It's a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. But hey, it's only just over 400,000 people in the greater region. That's like saying you're Parramatta. Now, when people talk about regions, that deeper dive needs to occur. And I just want to talk about these regions that we've touched on. Your Townsvilles, your Toowoombas, your Rockhamptons. Now, let's take Townsville for an example. If you took the combination of infrastructure projects, hundreds of millions in sports stadiums, mine projects, port redevelopments, 
if you even looked at some of the other projects around Toowoomba, where you've got a lot of energy projects here. There's a lot happening. To give you some examples, you know, we've got various projects when it comes to the milk factories in Toowoomba. We've got the Qantas Training Academy. We've got the solar plants, the medicinal marijuana, and much more. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry, Kent. Medicinal. Medicinal, right? And so the inland rail projects, billions of dollars. So if you took all of these regional cities and just pretended that they were a part of a capital, whether it's a middle ring, an outer ring, and you added their infrastructure projects up, they would be like having multiple Badgeries Creek precincts for those from Sydney, over $5 billion of spend there. Multiple Badgeries Creek precincts happening all over. This is where it gets interesting on what we call an infrastructure per capita. The mm. spend of, you know, size of spend, not for the city, but for how many people are there. Yeah, and I, the other call out is with this, the exodus is if somebody's moving out or if people are moving out en masse of the uh, Melbourne regions, inner regions or Sydney out to some of these regional locations, uh, they've got some profit in their pocket. If they've sold their house that they were in, they're moving up and they're not only just bidding up the prices of these houses, but they've got money left over. Mm. And if they spend some of that, you know, there's a bit of circular flow happening in some of these small towns. Yeah. And as an investor, one thing we haven't touched on yet is the yields. So interest rates, we all know how low they are. And if you're not getting an ad, you're getting a call from a bank or a broker to refinance probably pretty regularly these days. Yields for some of these locations, it's considered low when you get four and a half percent in some of these locations. Yeah. You can get them up to 7%. Now, it's important not to chase the yield alone as an investor, but when you're starting to see trends like these changing markets, affordable markets, the lowest interest rates we've seen, and yields that high, infrastructure projects occurring at this rate to the size of segments of capital cities, a high spend on a per capita basis. This is why we wanted to call some of these locations out just because they offer a unique advantage for investors to have a relatively low risk in some of these times whilst trends are changing. So that's three of the Queensland markets. I might actually jump into Bundaberg, Kent, if that's cool with you. Let's go to Bundaberg. Now, the last one for Queensland, Bundaberg had inventory levels of 7.77 months. So we're seeing something pretty common here. Part Toowoomba, which was a balanced market 12 months ago, Townsville, Rockhampton and Bundaberg would be from a sale a market movement in that front, I would say oversupply this time last year. But Bundaberg is moving from a 7.77 inventory down to 4.56. They all now sit in modest pressure buckets, so that's good. A 41% decline in inventory, a 71% decline on vacancy rates now sitting at 0.44. You will struggle to find a rental property in Bundaberg. And lastly, the days on market fall of about 14%. So still quite high in days on markets for all these areas, but the change is occurring and that lag is starting to change. So that's Bundaberg. It looks like it's spread out too. If I pick on Bundaberg North at the moment, it's still got quite a high level of inventory. So if you pick out one particular suburb, but when you zoom out to the SA3 region, you can see that really, really strong trend line. So, and again, that highlights one of the benefits of starting with this SA3 data set, which is a little bit bigger and a little bit better behaved. So yes, we can still see a downward trend there as well, even at that suburb level, even though that Bundaberg North is up around the eight month currently. Which is a 
great point to you know call out because now what we're saying is yes, the SA threes are trending, but we have to go deeper. When you're doing your on the ground searches or you're you know working with professionals or you're looking at data points at a suburb level, this is where you can start to do those filters to get the best possible choice. And on the note of Bundaberg, a lot of infrastructure there, Kent. You know, the new public hospital has been approved, over a thousand jobs impacting there. That's huge. That is massive. And over a billion dollars in spend too. When you put that to a population level there, the dollar spend is massive. On top of that, you've got the airport upgrades, the port potentially has been proposed for expansion. And then just other smaller things in terms of, you know, your aquatic centers and precincts and so forth happening. So my favorite expansion project is uh, the Bundaberg Brewery. The drinks expansion is on play. The rum. The rum. That's it. (laughs) So there's stuff happening in Bundaberg uh, that definitely is bringing a load of confidence and the data showing the change. If we now move on to the next state, Queenslanders, you've had your big plug in there. We're, We're going to be moving on now. How about we talk about New South Wales? This is an interesting one. Yeah, well, my part of the world. So we've got three areas, but again, our call out here is a lot of these markets were already starting to warm up, were probably in that balanced position, not cold, not hot about a year ago. They're all pretty hot now. So we've got three locations, three SA3s, Coffs Harbour. I think most people know Coffs Harbour if you've ever Mm. had a banana or travelled north. (laughs) Upper Hunter. Which is a really interesting one. I think it, you know this one you could do a podcast on all by itself. And Kempsey Nambucca. And the Kempsey Nambucca area is interesting because it covers a very vast range of different suburbs and you know, coastal communities and inland communities. So the price ranges of select suburbs across that region are very, very large. I'm glad I got you here, Kent, to say Nambucca because I would have said Nambuka. So uh, potato, potato. It's all right. Nobody, yeah. no, <laughs> n- nobody passing judgment here. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the point to make with New South Wales is, okay, why aren't we calling out the Newcastles, the Wollongongs, the Orange, the Dubbos, the Mudgies? They're all starting to get pretty strong and the heat over there has picked up a fair bit. So we have moved those markets very, very recently, potentially from a early adopter market over to our hotspot markets. And as a result, you could borderline say Coffs Harbour now moves in that category too, but the change has been phenomenal, which is what we want to call out, a 54% drop in inventory. Yeah, if you look across these three regions, you pretty much on average say it's halved. Inventory levels have halved in the last 12 months across these three regions. And it's the same thing on the rents. We've seen an 83% in Nambucca, Kempsey. We've seen a 76% drop in Coffs Harbour. And Upper Hunter, a 64% drop in their vacancy rates, all sitting with a zero in front. And it doesn't make it easier with some of the bad weather we've had as well in recent times because that in some of these pockets is going to make the displacement even more so. That's my big concern. I did a bit of an article on this with the newspaper last week and I think I've got another one going out uh, this weekend on the whole implication of the flood. So you've got displacement of people You've got people moving out who are owner-occupied that are moving out. They need their house fixed. Where do they go? They're probably going to have to be stuck in a hotel because there's no rental houses available. A lot of these markets before the floods were below 1%, which is our crisis territory. So Mm. big implications for that area. But um, let's just give some suburbs to these regions so people understand. So the Upper Hunter, we picked out a suburb there. Most people would know Musselbrook or Mm. heard of Musselbrook. 
So that's one example. The list price median there is about $329,000. The inventory level for that particular suburb at the moment is just below five now. So it's in that balanced territory, but it was up above eight a what year a ago. Right. Big so change. that's a significant shift. The next one down is one of those spots that's just beautiful. If you ever see photos or you've ever visited, it is picture postcard beautiful southwest rocks stunning mm. so that's at the moment that the median there is 585,000 for a list price you'll find on average about 25 properties there now probably the biggest and most interesting thing here is sometimes when we see a big drop in inventory or we see a, a high level of inventory in one period of time the first question I say is, hang on, has there been a house and land release? And yeah. that certainly was the case here. So a grain of salt, I think, with the inventory level at the suburb level here, because we went off 10.62 down to four. I think that's purely off the back of a few house and land releases that are being absorbed. Some of those are still on the market now, but um, uh, stunning, stunning suburb. And the last one on my, oh, I've got two extra. I've got obviously Southwest Rocks, Nambuckerheads fits into that as well which is another good spot, and Coffs Harbour. Mm. So, again, that's probably the biggest suburb of the lot. Interesting, Coffs Harbour's got a reasonable share of medium density type dwellings. Most of these other areas we're talking about, unless you're right in the towns or the cities, most of these are all fairly low density areas as well. And with that, you made a really good call out, Kent, on some of the, the rapid shifts of inventory that can occur. Because we're using a relatively short time frame, we're trying our best to capture change. And 12 months is a great time to capture change. However, at the same time, Kent called out, you know, you called out one of those changes, which is new build properties coming to a market and being absorbed. So the key thing is when you're looking into these locations, as well as going deeper into the suburb and on the ground, it's also important to take a forward-looking analysis. Right now, the analysis is current to short-term trends which is inventory, rents, and days on market. The forward-looking could be the locations within Townsville, Toowoomba, Coffs, or wherever it is, and making sure we're not sticking to the outskirts where there's a higher risk of land release, and B, you're paying close attention to building approvals in the pipeline as they're also a great lead indicator of the upcoming supply and release of supply over the next few years. So just wanted to make sure people are aware of that because these rapid shifts in inventory are all great. But is it an absorption of a high supply market that may return again because of the release of more developments? Or is it because there's a genuine shift in demand that's pushing it down and it's likely to stay tight for the next few months? So it's up to you guys to make sure we're all doing a homework on it. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why the beachside suburbs do quite well because you can't really do a 360-degree radius and build around it. Yeah, big call out there, right? You can limit it just by where you are placed in terms of being in the fringe or not. So key call out there for sure. And um, if we move over to Victoria, again, like New South Wales, we have very few regions that we can pick out as changing but not yet super hot. The regions of Victoria have been an interesting one. And in the last couple of podcasts, we called out the Melbourne exodus. And whilst not a massive impact for Melbourne's detached dwellings, the exodus and the attached dwelling impact has seen a lot of people move to our regions of Victoria and a lot of people move to different states. And what that's done, not the only reason, because many of these regions in Victoria, your Ballarats, your Geelongs, your Warrnambools, 
Bendigo's and so forth. Many of these areas were actually trending quite strongly over the last three years. And so they've just had another fire put underneath them to just push ahead to stay strong, which is why we're actually only left with one location in Victoria as somewhere that's in the early adopter, not quite hotspot yet. Wellington. Yes. And so that belongs to, I think a lot of people would know Latrobe, Gippsland. So that's the SA4 that it belongs to, the parent, but we've picked out Wellington. So I think a lot of people in the other states wouldn't know Wellington or they think there's a Wellington up in New South Wales as well. So we would remember Latrobe, but I keep on seeing some of these suburbs pop up all the time, you know, in and around Maui and those locations. So quite affordable. That's probably the call out here. So I think, you know, have a look at the median price there. It's quite affordable relative to some of the stuff that's going on in and around most of Victoria at 327000 Wow. For, for, you know, that's your typical list price median at the moment. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Now, that's, uh, yeah, so it's fascinating to see, that, you know, $327,000 is your, your average listing price for a house. And, you know, even when you take it out to areas like Sale, where the defence base is doing a lot of work out that way, the RAF training grounds, I actually was speaking to someone today who was, you know, doing a bit of training there not too long ago. So even that's changing out pretty well. And we're seeing vacancy rates remain quite low here. Although we should call out the SA3 of Wellington has not had as a dramatic shift on their inventory levels. It has moved in the right direction, about a 16% change is in that modest pressure bucket. But as you called, if you now move to that next door pocket, the Latrobe, the Latrobe SA3 has changed dramatically and mm. that's showing a big drop, a big tightening. And for those, you know, Sydney siders saving a 20% deposit on a house in Sydney, you're actually saving for a whole house in, in Latrobe, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Let's cross over to South Australia. So South Australia is another region. You know, we've obviously got some of the improving locations like Victor Harbour and further down. But a call out I'd like to make is the Barossa. So we are seeing a slight shift in the Barossa with inventory levels. We're now dropping to about 4.59, which is, again, moving towards that positive pressure. Vacancy rates are phenomenal at 0.47% for an investor. A 75% decline in vacancy rates is seeing a good shift. And we are seeing an 11% decline in days on markets in the Barossa region. But uh, Barossa region the properties here can be a big mix. You could have a small part of Barossa with a few subdivisions, but then you could have a large part where you've got acreage homes and essentially your house is a winery. So this is a diverse range of properties here, which really requires a good check. But one thing that definitely points to pressure is that rental market shift and inventory levels still being quite sustained. So what are your thoughts on the Barossa, Ken? What's possibly happening here? Yeah, it is interesting. I was just looking at some of the numbers here. I look at the quartile. So I look at the 25th percentile and the 75th percentile of sale prices, and it ranges from 250K to 450K. So that's that's pretty big when you compare that to the median. So some of these more expensive places around Sydney naturally have a pretty wide interquartile range, as they call it. But for an area that's a lower price relatively, that's a pretty big span. So yeah, you, you are absolutely right there. And when you start to pull out the individual suburbs, you can see just how varied they are. So yeah, a significant shift there, obviously in inventory. I'll pull out specifically, we want to zoom in. The suburb that I wanted to look at specifically was Tanunda. I hope I've got that pronouncing. You're probably correctly. doing it better than me. I'm horrible with pronunciations. Yeah. So it's one of the more 
populated suburbs in that region, $400,000 even would be your list price median at the moment. So if you were to look there, you'd half the properties will be above and half the properties will be below it. Well, that's something I've always loved about Adelaide and I'm turning into a bit of an Adelaide fanboy here. I've been doing over the last couple of episodes, which I've you know, taken note of. To have access to wineries and beaches within half a million dollars of purchase prices, something's up there. Like that is pretty special. And I know it's not something we should do as an investor, get caught up in a how cheap is that for what I get over here, because that's never been a sound way to make money or grow your wealth in investing. But it's just something that captures my attention all the time. You can be up in the Barossa or down in the McLaren Vales and be near, you know, your Moana Beach, Seaford Beach, Christie's Beach in Adelaide or up in the hills of Barossa and just be able to purchase properties with under, under half a million. But I, look, for me, being a little bit on the older side, I just remember the jobs was always the big issue. Yeah. You know, great area, love it, but can you get a job? And that was the same for a lot of Queensland, the same for most regions and certainly the case of the whole of Adelaide. Mm. And I think if there's one positive that might come out of this silly virus is that the work from home movement has changed and you know, people can use Zoom and you know, even if it's 1% or 2% of the workforce, it's made a significant impact on some of these regions. And that too, you know, the level of priority for investment in some of these jobs now is changing too because sometimes when these events happen, as we some people call it the black swan events and so forth, they create a shift. Level of urgency changes of infrastructure projects that need to be brought to the table, the speed, the job creation, because now the magnifying glass is on you. You know, I don't want to get into the politics of stuff, but in testing times, they're on you more than ever. And we are seeing change, not from the political side, no commentary there, but more so from the infrastructure coming up. A lot mm. of change is happening. And so how about we now move into another location that's showing a lot of change? And this is the W-A-N-T to wrap things up. Quinana, August, Margaret River, Augusta, Margaret River, and Bustleton. That's a big, that's a long name. It is, isn't, isn't it? Three, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Rockingham and Palmerston. So we've got three in WA, one in NT. And just to call out before we go into the individual trends, the same thing with the rental markets. Most of these, if not all of these regions, were oversupplied rental markets this time last year. Quinana, 3.46%, down to 0.8%. The Bustleton, I'll just call it that, and spread 2.49 down to 0.04%. And Rockingham, 3.32 to 0.58, with Palmerston at 6.48 down to 0.64. So the smallest change was 77% drop, and the biggest change was a 98% drop in Bustleton surrounding regions. And we typically expect that the first market to shift is the rental market Correct. as people move, move out and say, look, let's just rent until we find the right property to buy. So it's the leading indicator with this current movement has been the rental markets, the first to shift. Suddenly the vacancy rates plummet. There's nothing available there while people settle in and look for a property. And they're the ones that are actually going into the agent saying, I'll pay you an extra $100. Just mm. give, give that rental to me. Yeah. And, you know, Quinana, Rockingham and Palmerston are somewhat we could call them part of the Darwin and Perth cities being in the outer parts or middle ring for Quinana and then outer ring for Rockingham. And again, the coastline follows for Quinana, Rockingham and Bustleton. And then with regards to Palmerston, we're a little bit further in, 
but a lot of you know, newer properties are popping up. So that could partially be responsible for the change. But again, Darwin is seeing a change in its inventory levels all over. So I think the best thing to call out about these is I would say the Perth and Darwin markets, based on our review of inventory levels, are possibly the earliest in their cycle shifts among capital cities. Because most of these extended regions are sitting at that 5.64 for Quinana, 4.98 going out to Bustleton, Rockingham at 4.83 months of inventory, and Palmerston at 4.9. So they're just picking up in terms of heat, but they have dropped tremendously. Well, you've got some select suburbs. So the one I picked on is Durack in Palmerston up in Darwin area, and that's down below three months of inventory now. So it's hot. Very, very hot. And that's the change that Perth is really showing up in. And I think when we're talking about speed of change and the drastic level of change, there's possibly been no other market across the country I can think of that's seen as much as these high point of inventories and now coming to the low point as we've seen the WA change. Yeah, and I think a lot of agents have been waiting on this to shift for a long time. Over a decade. Yeah. This is um, close to 14 years, 15 years for some of these markets in terms of the speed to sell getting to that level. So, you know, we're now seeing days on market declines across all of these four regions, low points of 20% change and high points of 35% change. So these are the early adopter markets across the country. And again, just to call out Tassie, we've only left you out because Bernie, Devonport, Launceston, they're all far and away. And when we take it outside of those and outside of Hobart's, the sample size is just too small for us to play with. And so as a result, Tassie's pretty much hot all over. And the similar story being said with many of the Victorian towns and regional New South Wales parts that we've missed out. So these are our early adopter markets. And again, I want to call out you know, where you can get some of this information from. You can jump on thepropertynerds.com.au. We've got our data hub. We've got our top 20 investing regions report, which you can grab a copy of. And so this is now potentially the next wave of locations where investors can consider affordable prices as low as 250 up to 500K, high rental yields as high as on the low point, 4.5 going up to 7% and changing trends. It's always important to still do your due diligence, do your greater review of these markets and suburbs. But these are great starting points to show trends of markets that aren't the similar story of what we keep hearing everywhere. Super hot, but these are changing to become hot. So interesting numbers that we've been able to pull out and hope you found it all of value. Arjun, one key thing that people will find is in these markets that are going through some rapid transformation, it gets pretty hard to value the properties. So agents find it hard to find the comps, etc. So the call out there is we've written a paper. It's a free download on our website, The Property Nerds. If you want to get a few tips on how to value or appraise a property in these certain challenging times, download that. It's free. So make sure you visit there and we'll touch on that in the next podcast. Definitely. The guide to valuing properties is so important more than ever. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Game over.